Hello and welcome to another unexciting episode of Hashtag Pistons. I'm Joe, I'm your host I suppose, and um, this is the first try of a night cast. Um, so I'm recording it the night before, so hopefully it gets actually put up on Thursday morning. That's the goal. Um, so, obviously coming fresh off of a, uh, <laughs> a bad loss tonight, or last night I suppose, um, against the Mavericks, uh, really, really no way around that, just really, really just ugly, ugly loss, um, the Mavericks are not quite as bad as the record suggests, but they're certainly not much good, and the Pistons just got killed by them, and, you know, on its own, it's not necessarily a huge worry, um, the Mavericks shot really well from deep, what did they shoot as a team? I think they, they shot 14 of 30, so they they shot almost 50% from three on the night, which, you know, regardless of defense, that's not usually going to happen. And I didn't think the Pistons necessarily even defended them that poorly from three, necessarily. Um, it certainly wasn't very good, but, you know, so that's not typical. Tobias Harris played like straight garbage. Reggie Jackson didn't play very well, and Andre Drummond had bad foul trouble. Um, when Andre Drummond was on the floor, they did go plus 10, so... You know, in theory, I this isn't totally fair to extrapolate this, but you could say in theory if Andre Drummond doesn't get into foul trouble, then the Pistons don't get into so much trouble as a team regardless. Um, but then, yeah, the Mavericks shoot really well. Tobias Harris plays like hot garbage. And then you get blown out. You know, that's how you get blown out by a bad team. And also it's on the road. So in the end, the game on its own isn't necessarily... Um, like the biggest worry the thing that makes it a worry is that it's some of the trends that came up in it are uh, are kind of are trends that have been up for a while um, one of them is that Tobias Harris has been playing really not well recently um, even in the games where he has put up decent numbers um, in the Atlanta game he actually did just play well but recently um was it last night or two nights ago two games ago where he scored 17 points on 18 equivalents, I think. But um, when watching the game, it was clear, like, he couldn't get anything inside to fall. All of, his, all of his buckets were basically shots where he just had an open jump shot and he hit him. And that's less, it's not good that he's missing so many shots inside. And Reggie Jackson played not very well again. He wasn't particularly terrible in this game, but he wasn't very good. And obviously, Tobias Harris also is struggling defensively mightily. Um, just, <laughs> it's not good. And another thing that's really worry from tonight that's been kind of building up recently is that the bench continues to struggle. Um, early in the season, a big part of the Pistons' success is that the bench had been just obliterating people. And that is not at all the case recently. Um, they've, the bench has more often than not actually been getting um, outscored and beaten in their matchups as of late, and that's not that's not good. And for a big part of it is that teams are keeping Ishmith out of the out of the uh, out of transition. They're making him play out of the half court a lot, and. You know, 
when you've got Ishmith as your point guard. And, you know, when he's your point guard, if you have to play out of the half court, you're going to struggle. It's just the reality. He's not a very good half court point guard. Uh, he's not an efficient scorer. He's a good passer, but he's not a great creator for others. He doesn't really bend defenses in any ways that create space for other guys. He's just a good enough passer that um, when there is space created, um, whether it's by something someone else has done or occasionally he does, or maybe it's just the defense screwing something up. When there is space created, he's a really smart passer, so he can find that space and hit it. But the problem is, if the defense doesn't screw up, then there's almost never space created. That's one of the reasons why he's... That's one of the reasons... Like, everyone brings up how fast he is, and that is true. He's very, very fast, obviously. But that's one of the big reasons why he thrives so much in transition, or even just the semi-transition opportunities, is that it just sort of creates this chaos in the defense, which results in holes opening up in the defense. And he's a really good passer. And also he's good at finding, you know, even when it's not passing, he's good at finding those holes for himself. And because he's good at that, he really thrives in that area. But once those holes suddenly don't open up, then he becomes a problem on your in your offense. And um, then at that point, unless like Zing Galloway or Anthony Tolliver or Luke Kennard are just balling out by just bombing threes, there's really not a whole lot of hope for the bench mob offense. And um, I will say, I mean, it's, or it should be clarified at least, that Anthony Tolliver, Langston Galloway, Luke Kennard, those guys are good shooters. So there are going to be, it's not totally ludicrous to say, well, sometimes bench will get beat, but also sometimes, you know, one of our shooters is going to get hot because that can happen. I mean, it's happened several times recently. And Anthony Tolliver was hot tonight. It obviously didn't matter because he was, like, the only one. Uh, <laughs> Anthony Tolliver went four of six from three. He was the only starter to hit a three-pointer, and the Pistons still shot below 33% on the night. So, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's bad. But, so, yeah, it's just, it's a problem with the bench mob right now. And... I think, and I've talked about this in the last podcast and also um, in the last article I did, but I think possibly Stanley Johnson playing with the bench more may help a little bit just because he's his particular brand of sort of brutal drives to the basket um, give a layer of sort of danger that the bench mob doesn't really have in the half court otherwise. But on the other hand, he also can't shoot. So now you're putting three guys who can't shoot in a lineup with some regularity, which may or may not be, <laughs> you know, a good idea. But as far as sort of larger things, though, um, you know, one thing I that is kind of a good thing of recently, even going back into the losing streak, is that for the most part, now he had a couple of rough games at the end of it, but for the most part, Andre Drummond has continued to be really, really good. Um, obviously he had foul trouble tonight, but he's really good when he was on the floor. And even though it's disappointing to see so many other players look bad, there is something at least a little bit satisfying about the idea that your best player is actually, it's like tonight. So they went plus 10 when he was on the floor and no one else on the team who played outside of garbage minutes, um, was a positive. Most of them were double digit negatives. And, you know, within that, it's kind of like there's something about the fact that 
that's a little bit satisfying in a sort of distorted way, I suppose, about the fact that the guy who's, you know, your max contract player and such, that you're awesome when he's on the floor and falling apart when he's not on the floor. I know the numbers haven't always bared that out, but he's in, it's not as drastic as it is with the numbers tonight, but he really is, he's the one that's important. A lot of the other pieces are, you can interchange people. He's the one that's important, and he's the one who really holds it together on both ends of the floor, and that's important to remember. Um, but, man, Jackson and Harris are really going through a rough stretch. Um, Harris, you know, with Harris, it's weird because I assumed, I not just assumed, we all knew he was going to cool off from deep. That was, that was always going to happen. Um, but it hasn't actually so much been that with his struggles recently. The bigger problem has been hitting, getting buckets inside the arc. He's just, he's missing, he's struggling to finish over people at the rim. Um, he's missing a lot of floaters. He's forcing up some bad jump shots in the mid-range. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's just weird because, and he has regressed from three, but not in a huge way. The place where he's really struggled is by scoring inside, driving to the basket. And that's always been his bread and butter. And I'm, I think part of it is probably that teams are getting smarter about defending him effectively. Um, and just sort of, and it's something I've talked about before, but if you sort of send double teams at him and make him have to choose between taking a tough shot or making a good pass, he's never, he's almost never going to successfully make the good pass. So the end result is he takes a lot of tough shots or just stops and then resets the offense. And if you do that to him, then it puts a pretty bad um, kink in the Pistons' offense. And I think that that's probably some of it. I admit I have not watched closely enough to really say with much confidence whether or not that's really the case or not, but um, I'm guessing that's part of it. I should, I should probably, that'd be something I could go back and look at if I've got time this weekend, because I'm working on another thing first. But maybe I'll go back and look at that this weekend. But regardless... Um, yeah, regardless of what it is, he simply, he cannot have bad nights like this. Um, particularly because of the fact that he's really not been good on deep. And he's never been a good defender, but he's really been particularly bad as of late. And when you're struggling offensively like he is, you'd like him to play maybe with a little bit more urgency and effectiveness defensively. And instead, it seems like he's actually played worse defensively. Than, than he was earlier in the year, which is not good. Um, Jackson, at the very least, he had a couple of rough games, but at the very least, he seems to be playing mostly with the sort of defensive um, intensity and effort that he was earlier this year, to the point that he's not a huge net negative on the defensive end, and mostly is just kind of neutral. Um, I mentioned this in my recap tonight, but admittedly part of that is because um, it's easier to hide a guy like Jackson on defense than it is Tobias Harris because Jackson is a guard first off, and guards are just objectively easier to hide. But also because he's a little bit big, you can put him on a less threatening wing if you want to, um, whereas Tobias Harris, he's not as flexible, so it's harder to it's harder to hide him on people, especially without Stanley Johnson there to cover up for him. But he just he really has not looked good defensively for a couple of weeks now and it's so bad to the point that it's like I mean, here's basically what the problem is um, even with the wins recently is that 
the hierarchy on the team is Andre Drummond is definitely the best player on the team. I would say most people pretty much have come around to this idea now. Um, some people are saying Reggie Jackson was the best player a couple of years ago. Some people said Tobias Harris last year. Um, hopefully this year is pretty much cemented. Andre Drummond is the best player on this team. Um, and then behind him, Jackson and Harris are kind of... Um, we'll see exactly where Reggie Jackson ends up evening out with some of his numbers and play. Uh, he's regressed a bit over the past few weeks. But, you know, he was started off at a very high level. He's still having a career year by several different measures. So, you know, it's not like he's completely fallen apart. But we'll see where that ends up sort of leveling out. But, you know, they're sort of, you know, number... They're sort of 2A and 2B, so to speak. Whichever way you want to put them. And right now, Tobias Harris is playing so poorly offensively and defensively that he's almost a net negative on the floor when he's out there. And Reggie Jackson, is he's a good enough passer that he's still doing okay. He hasn't been quite as glaringly bad defensively. But he's certainly not a large positive. And that's a problem when you're second and third best player, whichever one you want to put in, whichever order. When they're like maybe coming out as a net positive together, you're going to have a hard time winning basketball games. And that's something that the Pistons have to get right. Um, hopefully, and quite frankly, probably, they're both just going through a slump. Tobias will figure it back out. He just was is regressing hard from the early season success. He'll figure it out and even out. Reggie Jackson is just going through a tough stretch too. He'll figure it out. It'll be okay. But it's still something that's a little bit worrying because it's been a little over a week now. It's been really like five, six games where they've really struggled. And that's enough that it's like, okay, this isn't just a one-night thing where it's like, I had a bad night, whatever. It's like, he's had a bad week. So I still am pretty confident that it'll be okay, but something to keep an eye on. Um, one good thing of tonight is Stanley Johnson continues to look more comfortable and more aggressive playing with the bench units. Um, this is most visible in his free throw attempts, I think. On the year, he's averaging... I said this in my recap of the game, I know. But on the route for his average this year, he's averaging... Um, what is it? I just had it up. Um, he's averaging 1.6 free throw attempts per game. And in the three games where he's come off the bench, he's been he's taken four, six, and six, and they have been they've not been like oh he just happened to have the ball at the end of the game when the other team starts fouling, they have been he has forced the issue inside and gotten to the hoop, and that's a really good sign, um, and he just you know he scored sixteen points tonight he scored thirteen the other night, um, you know if off the bench he can be a guy who averages. Um, over 10 points per game on decent efficiency, that could actually be, that could, that could really be a boon for him. I don't know if a boon would be the right word exactly, but, um, it's certainly a good sign, I suppose. I'm on basketball reference, I'm pretty sure that they do not have, um, tonight's game added into their, uh, yeah, they don't have that tonight's game added into all their numbers yet, so I suppose it's not It's not a great way to look at it yet. But <coughs> excuse me. 
but the fact still stands, though, that he really looks a lot more aggressive. He looks a lot more comfortable. The ball's in his hands a little bit more. And I'd be interested in seeing if they could maybe even expand his role with the bench units beyond what it is now to where if you're in the half court, give him the ball over Ishmith a little bit more. Um, I don't know if that would work better in the long run, but particularly given that Ishmith has really struggled out of the half court for the past, um, I don't know, probably almost a month now. You know, I'd be okay with giving someone else a bit of a shot, but the problem is no one other than Stanley Johnson is really good enough, I don't think, to earn much of a shot. Maybe some Luke Kennard, but um, yeah, so that's a good thing, I suppose, from tonight, is that Stanley Johnson continues to look pretty comfortable out of the off the bench. Um, but beyond all that, I suppose, basically, here's the point. They're going through a rough stretch. Um, they played a really tough schedule for a while and lost some close games. And now their second and third best player are both going through a very rough stretch in some different ways. Still, though, they're 17 and 13. If they can beat the Knicks um, tomorrow, or, yeah, tomorrow. If they can beat the Knicks on, what day would that be, Saturday? Saturday? Saturday. If they can beat the Knicks on Saturday... They'll be going into Christmas, 18 and 14, probably fourth in the Eastern Conference is what that would be. If they can do that, I mean, I certainly, if you'd told me before the year, at Christmas the Pistons going to be 18 and 14, fourth in the Eastern Conference, I'd have been like, I'll take that every day of the week and twice on Sundays. So, you know, they're going through a rough stretch, but they're kind of, if they can manage to beat the Knicks, then they're kind of weathering the rough stretch to an extent. And... That's a, that's what you have to do sometimes. And there are definitely some worrying trends in this bit. Last stretch of games. But um, that doesn't mean that it's necessarily time to panic. If the trends start to translate to more losses going forwards and they continue to slide, then it's time, then, you know, you'll maybe start panicking. But there's, there's, it's definitely not there yet. Um... Yeah, so I actually, I'm not even to 20 minutes yet, so I suppose I should probably say a little bit more. Maybe this late night podcasting isn't the best idea from that. <laughs> um, I guess one thing I suppose to mention is with Avery Bradley being out. Um, one thing, for anyone who didn't get this memo before the season, um, Avery Bradley was always going to miss some time. History says he's going to miss anywhere between 10 and 20 games a season. That's just, that's part of the deal with him. Um, I mostly would be in favor of the starting lineup from tonight to be the starting lineup. But on the other hand, I do like the, I do like Kennard getting the experience as a starter. Um, and I think Anthony Tolliver might actually be more important to the bench unit than he is as a starter. Uh, and also Tobias Harris seems more comfortable as a power forward. Definitely. But... I also think that Anthony Tolliver is probably better than Luke Kennard at this point, at least. So it's a little bit tough, but at the very least, it does mean that more consistent minutes for Kennard, which is not a bad thing at all. Um, he didn't get as many minutes tonight for some reason, but you know he's played over 20 minutes the last few nights, though, so that's good. Um, it just, uh, 
I don't know, man. I'm having trouble thinking about stuff just because it was a really frustrating, frustrating game, honestly. One thing that I'll say for Dallas is that <laughs> um, Dirk Nowitzki and J.J. Barea will be dominating fools with their two-man game forever. Like, as long as those two guys are playing, they'll be able to punk fools with that. Um, yeah, so... I don't know, I'm not even, I'm only barely over 20 minutes, but I don't really have anything else to say right now. So, if this becomes a pattern with the late night podcasting, then maybe I won't do it going forward. It's a little past 1am right now, so maybe I won't do it like this. But we'll give it a few more tries, so hopefully this results in it actually going up Thursday morning. And um, yeah, so go Pistons, stay beautiful everybody.